Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. Nigeria has a population of over 200 million people. It is the largest country in Africa. One in about every six people in Africa live in Nigeria. The country is now in the midst of a second wave of COVID infections, which is straining an already fragile health system. But even as countries in North America and Europe roll out national vaccination strategies, Nigerian officials have not been able to secure any doses of any COVID-19 vaccine for their frontline health workers, let alone their general population. My guest today, Dr. Faisal Shuaib, is the executive director and CEO of Nigeria's National Primary Healthcare Development Agency and a member of the country's COVID-19 task force. And in our conversation, he explains the impact of COVID-19 in Nigeria and the difficult task of securing doses of the vaccine. He also explains how Nigeria's successful campaign to eradicate polio is informing the country's response to COVID. This episode really underscores how inequitable access to vaccines has been across the world so far. You can definitely hear the desperation in his voice when we discuss the challenge of securing doses for the people of Nigeria. This episode is a valuable opportunity to hear directly from a health official in a large developing country about some of the challenges they are facing confronting COVID-19 over a year into the pandemic. And today's episode is part of a series of episodes featuring African perspectives on peace and security issues in Africa that is supported in part through a grant from the Carnegie Corporation of New York. To view other episodes in that series, please visit globaldispatchespodcast.com. And as always, please feel free to reach out to me if there's anything on your mind, if there are suggestions you have of people I should interview or topics I should cover, send them my way. I love to hear from you. All right. Now, here is my conversation with Dr. Faisal Shuaib. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. So I am a member of uh, the Presidential Task Force on uh, COVID-19 for Nigeria, uh, specifically because of uh, my experience uh, in combating uh, Ebola in uh, 
2014, and because uh, my agency, the National Primary Healthcare Development Agency, uh, was the lead agency towards uh, the eradication of the white polio virus in, in Nigeria. Uh, so that uh, you know comes with uh, experience, really, in emergency uh, situations. And uh, with the National Primary Healthcare Development Agency that has uh, oversight uh, coordination roles uh, around uh, primary healthcare in Nigeria, uh, that sort of provides uh, us with the latitude to be able to reach uh, the subnational level uh, to communities, engaging them uh, in uh, you know information, education, and communication uh, around COVID nineteen, and also making sure uh, that uh, uh, primary healthcare workers uh, have uh, all of the tools that they need uh, to continue to provide routine. Uh, services, uh, even in the face of COVID-19. But beyond and above that, making sure that they have uh, the capacity uh, to uh, manage and refer appropriately uh, cases of uh, COVID-19 uh, that come to their health facilities. What is the situation right now of COVID-19 and the impact of COVID-19 in Nigeria? So in the last couple of uh, weeks, we've uh, started seeing uh, an increase in the numbers of cases. So the reality is that uh, in Nigeria, the second wave uh, is here. So for example, we are witnessing record numbers of COVID-19 uh, cases. Yesterday, uh, we had up to 16, over 1,600 cases of COVID-19. That's a record uh, for us. And we're also beginning to see an increase in the numbers of uh, fatalities uh, so uh, this is a cause of concern uh, to the presidential uh, task force uh, because uh, we're now also beginning to see uh, that uh, uh, some of the uh, isolation centers are becoming over, uh, you know, are becoming full. The, uh, the beds are becoming fewer. Uh, a few uh, days ago, we started seeing uh, situations where some of the health facilities providing uh, this uh, uh, care to uh, COVID-19 patients um, were struggling with uh, making sure that they have adequate oxygen supply. You know, some of the uh, scenarios that we've seen in uh, other countries, you know, so uh, that is sort of where, uh, where we are uh, with increasing uh, numbers of, of cases. You know, in other African countries, at least early on, some of the modeling on the expected impact of COVID nineteen was was wrong. Uh, it didn't um, it didn't take into account the relative youth of population compared to that of uh, the populations of, say, Europe and the United States, which are relatively much older populations. Are you seeing sort of comparatively that COVID is is less deadly in Nigeria as opposed to in the United States or, or Europe? Right. I mean, I think this modeling was uh, all across Africa. Uh, there were huge expectations of a doomsday scenario uh, where we will uh, see uh, hospital beds being overflown by, uh, by patients and uh, really, really uh, worse uh, case scenarios, uh, much worse than we would expect uh, from what we are actually seeing in the uh, United States and, and other countries. And yes, uh, 
at the point, at the time that this modeling was done, I don't think there was a lot of consideration uh, for the relative youth of the African population, uh, same case uh, in Nigeria. But um, what recent studies are also showing is that uh, it is possible that apart from the demography, you know, it, apart from the youth, uh, more youthful populations we have in Africa, there is uh, a, a likelihood that uh, uh, there is cross-reactivity, uh, cross-protection of, um, you know, maybe uh, as a result of exposure to uh, similar, uh, you know, strains of the uh, coronavirus, uh, you know, the, that is currently causing this pandemic that uh, many sub-Saharan uh, residents, some sub-Saharan African residents uh, probably came in contact with uh, viruses that have, uh, you know, similar, uh, you know, uh, presentations in terms of antigens. And because they've been exposed in the past to these types of antigens, uh, they developed antibodies that were able to pro provide some uh, uh, protection against uh, uh, the virus. So, you know, what these studies, uh, you know, indicate, of course, uh, is that uh, it's not just the demographics, but potentially the cost reactivity. And then there are, you know, uh, also some studies that indicate that perhaps because of uh, uh, the BCG uh, inoculation that uh, most Africans get at birth, that has some protective uh, uh, cover. Uh, it mm. provides some protection against uh, COVID-19, um, uh, you know, as, as it were. So multiple uh, reasons have been, uh, you know, adduced for the fewer cases. But of course, we have seen uh, that uh, irrespective of the smaller numbers that we, that we have, you know, people are still dying. And uh, even if it is one person that dies in a family, uh, if it's somebody that is close to you, that is one person uh, too many, right? Uh, even if we're not seeing as many deaths, you know, people are really concerned that with more cases uh, occurring, then they are likely to be more deaths. What's the current state of play of the vaccines in Nigeria? Have vaccines arrived in, in Nigeria yet? And um, what, what are you expecting? No, we don't have any vaccines yet. Uh, like many uh, low-income and middle-income countries, uh, we're relying uh, very heavily on the COVAX uh, facility. So this, uh, the COVAX facility, uh, as you may be aware, is a, a groundbreaking uh, collaboration uh, that uh, was uh, established by the World Health Organization, uh, Gavi, SEPI, uh, uh, UNICEF, and a number of uh, you know countries to ensure equitable and fair supply of uh, COVID-19 vaccines to low and middle income countries in a way that irrespective of the ability of the country to pay, uh, they'll be able to have access to vaccines. Uh, so, well, what we have seen, of course, is that uh, most of the developed countries have really mopped up and have paid in advance uh, for a lot of the vaccines. This has made it difficult for the COVAX facility uh, to make vaccines available. So a few weeks ago, we had communication that uh, we were likely to get up to 100,000 doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech uh, vaccine in, in Nigeria. Uh, but uh, what we're now hearing is perhaps that uh, we're not going to get these vaccines uh, in, in January, but uh, most likely in, in February. And then even when we get uh, the balance of the vaccines uh, in the first quarter of, of 2021, it may not be the kinds of volumes that we expect. So, for example, the COVAX facility 
They're supposed to cover 20% of uh, Nigeria's population for free, right? Uh, that 20% of uh, the population comes to right around uh, 42 million people. Uh, as of this time, we've not received a single dose and we do not uh, know for sure if these doses will come uh, in March, right? So, it's, so it's just worth emphasizing that Nigeria is the largest population in Africa. I think like one in every six people in Africa is in Nigeria. It has a population of over 200 million. And you maybe might get 100,000 doses of a vaccine in March. A drop in the ocean, right? Oh, that man. precisely where, where, we're at, where we're at. And uh, this is a cause for concern. However, what, uh, what we're doing is to uh, engage with uh, the Africa, through the African Union. The African Union has been able to uh, access up to 270 million of uh, vaccines through different uh, you know, engagements. Uh, Nigeria is plugged into that uh, conversation. We've made an initial uh, show of interest uh, for up to 10 million uh, doses of uh, uh, different vaccines within that uh, portfolio. So we are hoping that even before the COVAX facility vaccines come, we'll be able to access some vaccines uh, that will be able to go towards uh, prioritizing our health workers, uh, the elderly people, and people that have uh, comorbidities. We're still uh, engaged in conversations with uh, other um, manufacturers. So, for example, uh, the Chinese uh, have uh, you know vaccines that they've uh, produced. Uh, we are in conversations uh, also with the Russians. Uh, they have the Sputnik V, but the uh, you know the, the guiding principle for how we access these vaccines has to be that uh, there has to be WHO uh, certification that mm -hmm. these vaccines are safe and effective. And then uh, we will now subject that to uh, certification by Nigeria's regulatory agency known as NAVDAQ before we will deploy these vaccines uh, to, uh, for, for use in Nigeria. So, so what's your impressions of, of COVAX so far then? I mean, on the one hand, it seems like, you know, you are at some point going to get a lot of doses through COVAX, but it seems to not be happening at a speed or a pace that's sufficient. Yes, you're absolutely right. So uh, the COVAX facility, I know is trying as hard as uh, they are able to, to get these uh, vaccines across uh, to the uh, 92 economies or so that have, uh, you know, that are participating. But the truth of the matter too is that uh, the developed countries really have been able to add muscle uh, the uh, COVAX facility. And they have, uh, for example, uh, you know, access to more than two to three times uh, the amount of vaccines that they need for their populations. You know, my understanding is a country like Canada, you know, has acquired up to, you know, four times uh, what it requires for uh, its population. So while COVAX facility is trying hard to get uh, vaccines, uh, the vaccines are delayed and that is causing, you know, concern among Africans uh, that, uh, you know, the, the mantra of equity and fairness in access to COVID-19 uh, is, uh, you know, a dream that's, uh, you know, not being realized as early as we would have loved to. So many developed countries have already uh, vaccinated over 5 million of their populations and African countries are still, you know, waiting at the end of the queue. And this was exactly why COVAX was set up. And uh, not to replicate uh, the types of, uh, 
you know, inequities that we saw with uh, the development and uh, the rollout of the uh, H1N1 vaccines in the in the two in the late 2000s, right, where mm. African countries had to wait at the end of the line before they could access uh, vaccines. So, in actual fact, uh, we we do believe that uh, uh, this needs to change if we are going to be able to uh, control the COVID-19 uh, epidemic uh, pandemic. Then all countries need to have access, uh, equitable access to the vaccines, because there is no way we are going to eradicate this. Uh, uh, COVID-19 uh, virus uh, without uh, everybody having access to the vaccines. There's nothing like a partial eradication. So even if uh, we have one country that has fully vaccinated its population, it would not be safe uh, from other uh, countries reinfecting it uh, just because the virus doesn't know any borders, right? So the mm -hmm. best way is to make sure that not, in, not only in different communities do we have coverage, but also that we have uh, different countries uh, make, uh, covering all of their populations. And that will only happen when there's equitable uh, sharing of uh, the COVID-19 vaccines. So uh, when those vaccines arrive, to what extent will your experience, Nigeria's experience, uh, eliminating polio and um, mitigating and, and basically sort of avoiding the tragedy of Ebola that befell your neighboring countries, um, how much will that inform the vaccine rollout? Um, you know, I've seen it said, and, and I've seen it written before, that Nigeria's experience in combating polio and the surveillance systems that were created to combat and eventually eliminate polio were summoned to a great degree in containing the Ebola outbreak in 2011 and, and enabling Nigeria to avoid the fate of some of its neighbors, even though it's a much larger population. Um, are those surveillance systems and are those systems going to help inform the rollout of, of the, the coming COVID vaccine? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you may be aware that uh, we just uh, got uh, certified as World Polio Virus Free in 2020, just last year. Mm -hmm. uh, so we still have uh, the manpower, we still have uh, all of the experiences from eradicating polio and uh, you know, uh, controlling uh, Ebola in 2014 uh, within uh, you know, record uh, time. These are the same experiences that will uh, help us in rolling out uh, the vaccines. So even beyond the, po the uh, resources that we have from polio eradication, uh, almost every year we conduct uh, between uh, four to uh, six uh, immunization campaigns. So there are polio campaigns, there are measles campaigns, there are yellow fever campaigns, and sometimes meningitis campaigns. So the health workers really have gotten used to what it takes uh, to uh, conduct uh, effective vaccination uh, programs. So here we are, on the one hand, we have the template from uh, the polio eradication program. But on the other hand, uh, we also have this constant uh, redefining, reimagining of uh, different uh, modalities to uh, deploy uh, different vaccines to uh, very rural areas. Now, this is something that I believe that uh, a country like Nigeria uh, has experience in and uh, can really teach uh, other countries that are not used to take, uh, to conducting campaigns like the United States. So we're we, we already seeing how uh, with the rollout of uh, 
the COVID-19 vaccines, uh, the projections, uh, the targets uh, are not being met, uh, both in the United States and the United Kingdom. Uh, and there are issues, operational issues with getting the vaccines out as fast as possible. That could be partly because uh, those countries are not used to campaign modes, right? They are used mm -hmm. to delivering routine immunization, camp, uh, you know, um, the vaccines in a routine manner. People go to the health facility, they get their shots. Uh, but for countries such as Nigeria, we have to go to the uh, health facilities and from the health facilities to the communities. So we are in that mode where we are used to conducting campaigns. And that is something that will come in very useful. That mm. experience, that skill will come in very useful when it comes to deploying uh, COVID-19. Because basically like a, a campaign is just like a massive nationwide push to vaccinate as many people in as short a period of time as possible. It takes like what, months and months of planning ahead of time. And then you have a few days to just go out there and get as many vaccines in as many children's arms and as many communities. And it's just like a logistical feat, but it's one that you have experience with. Absolutely. So, and this is why, uh, why we acknowledge uh, the uh, unique nature of uh, the population that are going to be vaccinated, uh, you know, uh, using COVID-19 vaccine. And we know that there are different logistical challenges, but because we're so used to uh, these uh, campaigns, we feel more confident stepping one foot forward because yeah. it is something that we're, we're used to. It is not completely novel. And we know that the health workers understand what uh, will be required so that's that 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 makes us uh you know feel uh that all of the plans that we've rolled uh, that all of the plans that we've put together uh, some of the simulation uh, exercises that we're conducting are really in the right direction if we're going to be successful you just need those vaccines like yesterday <laughs> Uh, well, uh, Dr. Faisal, thank you so much for your time. This was very helpful. And uh, yeah, I just I just hope these, these vaccines, these COVAX kicks into action. Right. Yeah. Thank you very much, Mark, for having me. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Dr. Faisal Shuaib. And as I said at the outset, please do feel free to get in touch with me. If there's anything on your mind, you can hit me up on Twitter at Mark L. Goldberg or use the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com. And just one disclaimer that accompanies episodes that are produced in partnership with the Carnegie Corporation of New York, that the opinions and views expressed in this episode belong solely to those who expressed them. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye.